Hey, comic book fans, Keith here from Comic Books Transformed, where we talk about all of the streaming show and movie adaptations of your favorite comic books. And today is kind of a special episode uh, for me and Brian, my co-host over there, because um, we're actually just talking about a show that's based on a comic. That's kind of unique today. <laughs> oh my God, we're doing the thing we said we were going to do. Whoa. Yeah, we um, have been covering other things like, you know, Star Wars shows and Willow. And I understand there's a, even a Willow comic and a Star and definitely a lot of Star Wars comics. But today we're just talking about Doom Patrol season four, episodes five and six. Um, yeah, um, this week we, we split up. We would normally cover Doom Patrol and Willow, but we, we decided to split it up because Doom Patrol has its mid-season break after today, after this episode. I'm sorry, with this episode, and then Willow is done next week. So we're going to wrap that up next week. And then um, we're not really sure what we're doing after exactly yet. So Yeah, we're thinking the, la the Last of Us, which... Uh, okay, you do want to do it. Okay, yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So um, anyway, guys, last week we did a top 10 list for all the things that we covered in 2022. And it happened to be uh, 22 different things that we reviewed. So that was a nice little coincidence. So go check that video out too. Brian was actually on my other channel, The Lastercast, recently, where we talked about the Evil Dead Rise trailer too. So you can go over to The Lastercast and check that out. But without further ado, for all of you many, many Doom Patrol fans out there, let's talk about the last two episodes of this part of the season. So Brian, you were saying that we should focus on each individual character first, right? Yeah, I mean, they tend to just go with various pairings of characters in these episodes and since we're covering two maybe we just kind of cover the uh the, the scenarios of, of pairings that they had throughout these episodes okay so, sounds good sounds good the, the first thing i want to call out though is that um the 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 recap of episode five um which is youth patrol right youth patrol yes was was completely focused on recapping the previous episode with uh, Dorothy and Space Case, and they weren't in the episode at all, or or episode six. So they, they're still completely absent, and I don't know why they showed that before the episode because they weren't a part of the episode at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't watch that recap, but I can understand why that would be kind of confusing, especially because they reference a lot of things from like previous seasons in these last two episodes too, yes. especially all the stuff with the uh, sisterhood of Dada too. Yes, that's a big thing in these two episodes. Um, I mean, honestly, before we even get into the individual character moments or the pairings, I was just going to ask you, like, maybe we could just kind of slowly just kind of break down exactly what's going on. Because sure. as I was like summing this up and I was writing it out, I was looking at this one uh, website that has a review to kind of keep myself in order. Okay, 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 this happened. And then my computer, it said, oh, you've got a virus from this website. And I got all freaked out, right? But, um... I, I almost felt like I was on drugs just writing about this show and taking notes. So I'm like, what the fuck is actually happening on this show? Um, so the, the show is the, the, the main overarching things this season have been the butt apocalypse and the, the return of Immortus. Right. Uh, the last of these last two episodes, they, we seemingly have solved the butt apocalypse as the all the characters like to call out multiple times these past two episodes. But uh, we know that's not exactly true. Um, they left a cliffhanger at the end of one of the episodes where uh, Madame Rouge asks Cliff to kill the last zombie werebutt. And uh, they kind of just fade to black and he's kind of questioning if he should do it or not. After killing uh, 
uh, the zombie Darren Jones. So yes. we find out that uh, that, that he, he does not, and and that's that's back, that threat is back on the table. The other threat has been the return of Remortis, which uh, the Knights Templar are very afraid of. So that's yes. Willoughby and, and his his group uh, over there, or the most powerful mages in existence, according to them. Yes, and they're bunny. Yes, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, so in order to uh, return Remortis to life, um, his followers need to. Uh, Return. I I don't know what exactly it is. Is it aspects of his immortality or himself that were given uh, or taken by Niles Calder and somehow infused into the main cast, uh, which gives them their longevity. Um, you know, we've always talked about how all these characters don't age and they don't even comment on it really. You know, uh, you know, Reed has been around since the 30s, uh, or, or maybe even earlier than that. Uh, Sanford Larry. Um, Cliff is a little bit younger, I suppose. Uh, he's probably born in maybe the 60s or 70s. Jane, I guess it was in the hippie era. So, I mean, maybe she was born in the 50s or something. Well, I'm sorry, K. Okay. Uh, and, and then that that kind of wraps up that uh, that group. Cyborg is not really counted among that. And I guess Madame Rouge is either. So the reason why they're all still kicking around and they, they look exactly the same over decades, because, you know, the first couple of uh, episodes in, in the first season, they they jumped a lot of time. <laughs> they yeah. skipped around quite a bit. So um, the in the episode where uh, Rita was revisiting her movies, uh, there, there was kind of this purple st- stuff being taken out of her that we thought had something to do with emotions or something like that. But it turns out it was just her whatever was keeping her young. She wakes up in this episode after being unconscious uh, in youth control, and uh, and is notices that she's she's beginning to age. She has like you know wrinkles in her face, and she's very noticeable. Her, although I didn't really think see much of a difference. I guess her hair was a little discolored too, like a little uh, going a little gray here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's pretty good uh, summation of everything. I'm actually kind of confused with uh, Mohinder's character, Mohinder from Heroes, like his yeah, character on the show. So he's essentially a uh, operative of uh, Immortus, right? Yes. So Immortus has basically promised the people working under him uh, whatever they wanted. Uh, they, 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 he's going to rewrite history or existence and give them exactly what they want. And yeah. what Mr. 104 wants is to just be a stable person. Uh, he doesn't want his molecules to, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know even what, what what was it? Is this going to explode or? Yeah, dude, that's what I'm talking about. It was like very confusing because um, they had these like flashbacks where Larry would see himself in the ant farm and they would like take off his protective gear and it would kill the people that was around him. And then I think they would do a similar thing to is it, what is his, his name's Dr. Mr. 104. Yeah, it's it's he's kind of almost like metamorpho in the sense that you can control the elements on the elements. Yeah, um, which I think is funny because I, I think originally he was Mister One Hundred Three, and then they added another element, so it's One Hundred Four. But now technically, there's, there's I believe it's one hundred eighteen elements on the periodic table. But oh, they haven't shit. changed his name, I guess. <laughs> okay, so like they were both prisoners of the ant farm. So like in this world, in this Doom Patrol world, there's definitely like people that are like mutants, and I, I think they are metahumans, just like they have them in DC, right? Yeah. And they're just, they just kind of focus on the really weird ones on this show. Um, and they, they're all 
uh, many of them were prisoners of the um, ant form or the Bureau of Normalcy, yes. right? And then um, not all of them, though, have this immortal power. Just the specific Doom Patrol main characters, excluding Cyborg. And then Madame Rouge, the reason why she's young is just because she's a time machine, right? Uh, the time machine aspect, and I, I imagine there's some mystique stuff going on there, too, where she's making herself look a certain way, I guess. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, okay, cool. So then, why don't we go ahead and do the uh, pairings? You want to go from, uh, you know, characters that we... Let's start with Larry, Mr. Warner Forces. We've already been pretty heavily talking about them, right? Let's do it. So, uh, as you mentioned, you know, we're we're gonna there. When we last saw the characters uh, two episodes ago, because the last episode uh, was uh, um, all about Dorothy. Um, everyone woke up in the theater except for Rita and uh, King had left uh, Larry and gone into Mr. 104 and then they all you know, woke back up in the theater. Yeah. So Larry went out to go search for King and uh, he eventually does find Mr. 104. Uh, and, and like you said there, they, they just kind of go into like flashbacks of, of both their times in the ant farm and they kind of come to an understanding there's uh, there's definitely some uh, so some sexual tension there as Cliff calls out in the in the second episode uh, in the sixth episode I mean, um, and they kind of come to an alliance. Uh, they he wants Mr. One Four wants to help them. He, he doesn't. They don't think that what Amortis is doing is uh, is right because he thinks he's going to hurt people to get his way, and uh, they're, they're seemingly going to work together. Yeah. And this is whole weird dimension. I don't remember the name of the dimension they go to with all the scissor men. <laughs> oh, Quarth? Is it, Quarth. Is it Quarth? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So the scissor men are, um, they are taken from like the first arc or maybe the second arc of the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol. Like they're, they're from very early on in that comic and Quarth is where they come from. I, I don't remember if there's any kind of connection to Immortus. I don't think so. Um, and I also don't, I, there is a character in the Grant Morrison run who like can draw things and they come to life. Um, I just don't remember if it's that character that we see later in episode six. You know? Um, oh, you mean you mean uh, Wally? Well, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. that guy. Oh, yeah. that's oh, he's the one that did that. God damn, I missed that. <laughs> well, see, the, the show's like really fucking confusing and weird. It's it's the kind of show where like. You really, truly have to be paying attention every single episode. You have to remember things from two or three seasons ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, th- there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, um, it- it's a very kind of dense show, and I-, I appreciate that. You know, they respect their viewers, their fans, that's for sure. Definitely, yeah. And I, I would rather this dense continuity where you got to remember things than rather than an episode of the week where there's, you know, where everything's kind of reset. Almost like a sitcom, sort of, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I hate exposition stuff, and this show doesn't really waste too much time with expository dialogue. Yeah, I agree with that, I agree with that yeah. Yeah, yeah, so anyway, um, so, okay, they go into this weird dimension, and so now we're already going into episode six for Larry and for Mr. 104, right? Yeah, um, and, you know, they, they end up where, it ends up where uh, Larry's just captured, and uh, we finally find out what Keeg, uh, future Keeg, showed baby Keeg. And that was basically that he has to fly himself into the sun in the future because the, the werebutts tear up in his suit. <laughs> yeah. So and then Larry essentially 
willingly gives up uh, his longevity at Keeg's discretion. So the only person left with, 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 with the longevity is Cliff. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so since we're kind of going into the Quarth stuff and we're talking about the Scissor Men, I just wanted to comment about how scary an image that is. Like these, <laughs> these like black suit kind of men just walking around with gigantic scissors. And the sound design is actually really good for these two episodes because they're walking around these scissors. You just assume that they're very sharp because there's constantly that noise of the scissor opening, that shing, shing yeah. noise. Um, and, and often this, the Scissor Men have their scissors over someone's neck right like multiple characters um really disturbing stuff you know the, the doom patrol comic from grant morrison is all the way back from the 80s and um I, I think that a reason why i like it so much that both the comic and the show is that there's so much like horror imagery in it too and, you know i've really gotten into horror in the past couple of years yeah. and um sometimes there's more horrific stuff than sort of superhero reference stuff in this show yeah i i would agree with that statement yeah and uh, the the scissor band also, I I kept I kept being reminded by um, an older kind of horror game called Clock Tower, where the the main antagonist was this dude with giant scissors. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, that's cool. When what year did that come out? In the eighties? Uh no, that was a PS one or PS two era game, so it was probably late nineties. Oh okay, yeah. Or maybe early two thousand. Yeah, but you know, it's just all this batshit crazy weird stuff that Grant Morrison imagined and. They just put it into the show. It's really impressive, like, what they put into this show. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about Keeg and Larry and Mr. 104? Uh, no, actually, the, the last thing I want to say about, we don't, I don't remember what happened with Mr. 104. I know Larry went back into the, the portal after coming home to the mansion. Um, he went after Keeg, but I don't know what happened to Mr. 104. I don't think he went in the portal i mean did he stay in the mansion i think um, he might have yeah I don't know what, we didn't see what happened to him so i'm curious what where he went yeah and, and if maybe he's gonna get eaten by the the werewolf yeah it, it, it's so funny because like the actor that plays mr 104 i remember him as mohinder from heroes um you know this is gonna sound weird but like he's i think he's like really attractive on this show like i think they're making him really attractive and i'm like I remember Mohinder being such a like leading man kind of guy. They mean they they kind of played up Mohinder's sort of nerdiness on here. Yeah, he was like a nerdy scientist, always talking about his research. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they're definitely playing up his his uh, you know being a, a attractive love interest for Larry, which is something that he needs in his life. Agreed. Uh, he feels like he lacks. Yeah. Well, you know what it is. It's like. Um, I was talking about the sound design for the show. The cinematography for this show is very good too. It's it's just sort of more dynamic than your typical comic book show, um, and, and a lot of the stuff, especially like the MCU stuff that we cover on Disney Plus, it's definitely more interesting to look at, right? And uh, it's funny because they even make like a reference to Tim Burton at one point, like Cyborg's friend. Someone says like all oh, these Tim Burton rejects, and th they play into that. that. What's that? I think Cliff said that. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, one of them. You know, everyone yeah. makes fucking references, right? But um, you know, they're they're playing into that sort of gothic side that DC had for a while because of those Tim Burton Batman movies. Um, and it's just like a lot more interesting to look at than most of the stuff that we cover on this channel. Um, so I, I think that's why I was noticing how attractive 
uh, Mohinder was or Mr. 104 because they do, they do all these images of him. Like it, it looks like something out of like a 1950s sci-fi movie or something where he's like this, you know, wearing this suit and standing on a hill or something. Um, and, and a lot of times when I look up imagery to use for thumbnails and stuff for our show, it's him that they use. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I should stop like having some sort of man crush on Mohinder right now. We can move on to uh, the next pairing. So do you want to do Rouge and um, Rita? Yeah, we can do that one. Uh, I, I think this one had a, a, a little bit less of consequence on the effect in the episode, maybe. It was yeah. a little more personal, I guess, and not as, yeah. not as uh, well, they, they do go find, uh, uh, what's Wally. Wally. Yeah. Wally Sage. Wally Sage, that's right. It's easy to remember because just think like the, the second flat or the third flash and uh, then Vic Sage, like the question, right? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that was in, in Youth Patrol, that Larry story was kind of self contained there. And then everybody else um, goes off on this little team field adventure. So Rita wakes up when and feels herself aging. She looks older and she goes rifling through miles of stuff to, uh, to kind of find something to help her look younger again. And she finds some weird curse thing and it happens to affect everybody in the room um, that's there. So, you know, the, the whole gang minus Larry, essentially. Uh, right. And they all turn into teenagers. For some reason, Cliff is a cowboy. <laughs> yes. it's I don't great, know why he's a cowboy exactly, but, you know, everybody's got braces and glasses and uh, uh Jane's like a hippie, I guess. Um, and they they uh, they go to try and where they're trying to go find Willoughby's um, like, like mentor, mentor, his mentor, mentor to help uh, reverse the hex because it was an untested thing. And they get sidetracked by some people hanging out behind a gas station. Right, right, right. But then this, this everything goes to hell because everybody goes their separate ways. Rouge and uh, Rita go off on their own there, and uh, they eventually just have this kind of bonding moment uh, where Madame Rouge has this really great line of dialogue about how she feels, and, and uh, I, I know you, you kind of wrote this out in your notes. I don't know if you have any more comments on it than I did, but yeah, uh, yeah. she's essentially confessing how sorry she is to Rita and how she feels about her own life and then the mistakes she's made. And uh, and she doesn't how she doesn't know how to move forward essentially. Right. Um, I, I was not really a fan of Rouge last season. I've said this a couple of times, um, but this season, boy, am I like a complete one eighty. I think that they really have played up the character. And um, the one line that you said I wrote down, it, it's this: My mother used to always say that heartbreak stains the soul. Well, I believe that to be true, except for me, it's different. It's like a void, a chasm standing between me and any hope of finding a true, meaningful connection. Maybe that's why I'm the way I am. Maybe by now, I am the chasm. That is a really well-written line for a comic book adaptation. I don't think that the Madame Rouge character has any kind of line like that in the comics. She's not really in the um, Grant Morrison run, as far as I've seen. Um, but it's a really pretty way of saying basically i've lost my soul like my actions have cost me to lose my soul and um i just think it's really well written and it sort of elevates the show um there's one thing we should also point out too is that she looks like herself for the majority of the episode 
Um, yes. And she claims that she didn't breathe in the smoke. And then later on, we find out that she actually did. She just, like, changed herself to look back like her normal self. A lot of mystique. A lot of mystique. Very good. And, and so there's this great moment where her and Rita are sitting on the bench, and they both are, like, teenage girls, and it's after they sort of have this catharsis. So um, really great stuff. You know, this episode in general, once we go over to the Cliff and uh, uh, Jane stuff, and it kind of ties in with Cyborg in that episode, too. There's just all these moments in this Youth Patrol episode where the characters are just sitting, sometimes often just staring into space or, like, talking to each other. And it's just this moment, a lot of moments of, like, pondering things and, and asking questions about themselves. And it's just so fucking good. It's better than some kind of random fight you could just shoehorn into the story, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's this been very few actual fights that were going through the show. It really is just a lot of dialogue and character development, which I fucking love. Yeah. You know, um, one major thing that's been intertwined with comic books or comic book adaptations for a while now has been trauma. Like dealing with the trauma of the snap and the MCU and dealing with the trauma of all the things that have happened in the Marvel movies, right? And they always talk about trauma in these reviews. But the Doom Patrol show is truly about trauma. It's just not this sort of manufactured, like, global sci-fi event trauma bullshit. It's like real-life human horrible trauma, you know? Yeah, Because yeah. even, even Larry's um, origin is sort of sci-fi-y, right? But, like, the whole homosexual angle in being... Oh, in yeah, the, it, it's, it's his uh, re repressed life as a, as a closeted homosexual. It's his trauma, you know? And then, you know, his uh, being ostracized by his family, his job, and, and everything. And then the actual accident that happens to him closes him off even more. So he has no outlet. And that's, that's fucking traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I, I really, really did love those scenes where they're sitting by the pool and stuff. And... I just kind of had this moment where I was watching it and I was like, this is why I like this show. It, it, it has nothing to do with fucking MacGuffins or looking for things or fucking cameos. It's just about these characters and dealing with their lives, you know? Yeah, agreed. Uh, so Cyborg, you know, because you were talking about doing pairings. Cyborg's with well, his friend. We didn't finish with, with, uh, with Rita and Rouge. I mean, they, they do go back to the, the Bureau of Normalcy and that's where they run into Will Sage uh, and that's how we're tying that into the end there. I don't know, remember exactly where they ended up, but I know Rita thinks she killed Will, and they're, I think they're still at the Bureau. Uh, at Wally. The, the episode. Wally. Like the Wally, third left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in that sequence where they do free Wally, that is like a fucking horror movie at one point. That is really intense. Yeah, I agree. Like, her face is fucking melted. She turns into this blob monster, and he looks like a corpse. All of a sudden, she's, like, rolling towards him like Critters 2, and he's screaming as he's being engulfed by this flesh ball. I was like, holy yeah. shit. And, and, again, speaking of trauma, you know, in, in regards to Rita here, I mean, this is the person that actually pulled the trigger, I, I, I believe, with, with killing her, uh, what the fuck was that guy's name now? Like her love interest from the last season for in the past. Um, the guy with the, the birdcage and the and the chest. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Wait, okay, okay, okay. So see, this is where I'm showing him a bad fan. So Wally is not that guy? He's not the birdcage guy? No, 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 no. Wally's the one that killed him. But actually, like, pulled the trigger and killed him, I believe. 
Oh shit. Okay, well that's fucked up. That's that's why she was that's that's why she has that kind of like anxiety attack there and she or or you know, she turns into the blob form because she just can't handle it, you know. Okay. I, I took it as like she felt guilty for his death and so she was overwhelmed by that. But okay, okay. That's okay, that's even better. So that makes this guy much more villainous than I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, and clearly we, we see that at the end of the episode, one of the last things we see. <laughs> episode six, yeah. Yeah, so I think the way it ends is Rita has lost her longevity. She was the first one to lose it. Um, she turns into a blob, but then she's able to get back to her regular form. And then she's under the impression that she, like, squashed Wally and he's gone. Yes, I, I think so. And I think they're still in the Bureau, uh, you know, and the alarms are going off. Right, okay, so that's the end of episode six. The episode six is really great because it's like every storyline sort of builds up to this cliffhanger point, and then there's this sort of oh shit moment. So it is a good stopping point for like a mid-season finale. Yeah, but I, I, what I find really interesting is that I feel like this is the kind of convergence that we would get at the very end of the season, you know, like the end with like the candlestick uh, maker or... Uh, or uh, Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody in the first season. Like, like this feels like more like that but I, I i suppose that that just means that the the back half will be about actually facing uh immortus yeah uh rather than just bringing him back and so i had a question for you with that who who do you think immortus is going to be do you think it's going to be like a completely different actor that we've never seen or is it going to be someone that we have seen before well the common version of immortus is this kind of like scrawny bald old man who's like a general and he's right. alive forever. Right. Uh, I'm curious how they're going to cast this. Yeah. Um, they have took some liberties with casting some of the the, the villains in in the past year. Yeah. Um, so it, it's possible they'll go some, but uh, at the same time, they've made some fairly accurate ones too. Like uh, uh, Gargax was like very comic accurate. Uh, the uh, Space Case's dad too. Um, well, the Termin Terminax, I guess. Yeah. Very comic accurate. Uh, the living brain, even the, like the, the robot body he was in, like yeah. a lot of things led there. But you know, Mister Nobody, I guess, was a little more, a little different. Mister One Hundred Four is is different. He was just like a older white looking dude. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they occasionally will just completely change something, but they'll also keep it exactly the same. So um, I'm curious. I mean, right now all we see is this kind of like a like a statue with glowing purple lights right now that's all we really see of, of what immortus is right now so uh, whether they give him a form or not um i'm not sure you don't think that he might come back as niles calder like it might be timothy dalton no i don't think so i, no. I, I think I, I think that that it, he's gone from the show i think i don't okay. think he's going to come back um well, you know, that's timothy dalton he's a he was a at least at one time, a uh, uh, very or he was a popular actor. I mean, he was James Bond. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, and he was uh, on Penny Dreadful, which I also love too. Yeah, so I, I think maybe that that him his exit from the show in season three was the same. Like I, I don't expect a cameo from him again. Okay, all right, all right. We won't put any bets on that then. That's fine. Um, one. But, oh, wait a minute. You know what? Though, wait a second. Wait a second. Isn't that what? Dorothy's like goal is is just to kind of like get, you know, just talk to her father and just like let everything out. I don't know. Maybe, they're also yeah, maybe you're onto something. There also was a picture of him in the 
you know, Bureau of Normalcy, too. There was? Yeah, at one point, Rita looks on the wall, and she's like, Niles, she sees a picture of him on the wall. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? Maybe that's how Dorothy gets uh, roped into this later on, because that's what she's looking for. She just wants to talk to her dad and let out everything she kept in and never got to say. Yeah. So um, that would be a way to sort of do that, maybe, or confront it at least. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a potential. I haven't heard anything about Timothy Dalton returning, but I think that if they wanted to have some like gravitas, if like this is going to be like the final season, that'd be a great way to make it all kind of full circle and like yeah. up the stakes. I I mean I think in general the the loss of the character's longevity is a great full circle kind of thing, uh, and this would be a great place to potentially end the show, yep. and I think uh, which I think it will be ending unfortunately. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, based on, you know, the, the, the comic origin of General Immortus was that uh, he, he, he drank some potion to extend his life and he hired Niles to um, create something new. Uh, but in this sense here, Niles has taken something from him. So um, in order to further his experiments here. So I, I'm, I'm curious, I, I think that's a possibility. I'm not completely ruling it out because I still do think that it's a long shot to have Timothy Dalton come back, but um, it's not a bad idea. Okay, what about this? What about James Gunn? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he does like the show. <laughs> Isn't the whole idea about a mortis they're talking about like he basically comes back and he can like reset everything? Uh, yeah. That, that would be, be kind of funny, wouldn't it? That would be a very funny joke, and you know, James Gunn has already appeared on Harley Quinn, the animated series, so. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so so before you were talking about how some characters are comic accurate and some characters have been changed. Um, one character that's a great example is Shelley Byron, who uh, was a man in the Doom Patrol comics, the the Fog, right? Yes. Right. So the Fog or, or Shelley Byron on this season has been um, kind of alluded to, Jane wants to get with her right like jane feels this attraction towards her and she's kind of seeking her out for a few of the episodes um and so this could kind of bring us to jane and cliff um at one point we do see shelly byron come back jane goes into her sweet shop but before we get to that um we should talk about jane as a teenager yes so uh the, but the things i want to say about jane here is that Jane is looking for purpose beyond K. Uh, she thinks that she, she feels this this attraction to, sh to Shelley or the, the fog, and she wants to explore that. But at the same time, she uh, she she doesn't feel like it's her place to do that because it's not her body. Um, and I think that's that's a really interesting angle to have. Um, the other aspect of this, you know, you're talking about Jane as a teenager. Um, there was a line that she mentioned that. That she came after, uh, uh, what was her name, Miranda. She, she she was created after Miranda was like gone, um, which I didn't think. I don't think we knew. So this was essentially Jane's first time actually being a teenager. So she wow. didn't really know what to do. So she um, she, while she's really high, uh, potentially hallucinates Kay, and who kind of gives the okay to move forward uh, with a relationship and that, you know, cause saying it's our body. 
Uh, but she still gets cold feet and ultimately, and then she does leave uh, the the fog sweet shop, which I, I guess you could just get to from anywhere because I don't remember how they got there in the first place. Yeah, that was one of those episodes where they're just sort of like walking in the woods and then all of a sudden they kind of stumble upon these Yeah, but it looks like when she left, she's just like immediately in her room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it, yeah. And I didn't it, it, follow that. Yeah, it's probably like another dimension or something like that. But like, and, and this show's chock full of other dimensions. Um, that is one of my favorite parts about this show is the philosophical component where it's like, okay, Jane is just essentially a survival mechanism. She's a personality that was created by Kay so that Kay could deal with her sexual abuse. And that's such a weird kind of philosophical fantasy sci-fi concept to be like, well, you never had a teenage existence. You're an adult, but you never were a teenager. Now you get to be a teenager. I love that. I also love the idea of like, I'm just a mechanism. I'm just a a personality to keep this woman alive. I don't want to use her body for my own pursuits. I think that's so like unique. I don't really know if I've ever seen that in a story before. Uh, yeah, the only the closest thing I can think of is um, Psylocke from X Men. Yeah, that is a good. Brad is forced into the body of Quanan, and you know there's some guilt over there, and even yeah. though now now they're separate separate beings and all that um yeah yeah that's the close close thing but i i really like this angle the story is taking and um they also uh i found it interesting that um in the underground uh all of the the, the personas were doing the puzzle and i think we're going to ultimately see jane complete the puzzle as Kay kind of foresaw um yeah the, the, the only one that can actually finish it because it also seems like she has a lot more pieces than the others did. <laughs> I agree, I agree. But I still uh, think she's, she's going to be capable of doing it. I, I agree with you on that one. I, I actually, while you were saying that, I did think of another example of a situation like this. There's the weird scenario in Wonder Woman 1984. Where, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And this is almost like the antithesis because that was one of the big complaints about that movie was that essentially they were just using the body of some random guy. Yeah, that, that still is really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the antithesis where, the, where she's like, I can't do that. This is not my body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned that one hallucination part where she's by the pool. I think that was maybe my favorite scene in both of these episodes. I just really liked. I, uh, I'm going to one-up you there. Uh, yeah. I think that the uh, my favorite scene was... Um, after, no, was it after that? I don't remember where it was, but Cliff is talking to Jane in her room. Uh, I takes think it's after the fog, and he takes off the glove. It's after he that. It. He says that you're you are capable of love and, and worthy of love, and he uh, he takes the glove off that he's re- trying to reserve for, you know, uh, touching his grandson, and he does it to show that people care and it, uh, about about Jane, regardless yeah. if she thinks he deserves it or not. Right, 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 right. That, that, that line that he says is like, whether you think you deserve it or not, you, you can't stop people from loving you or yeah. something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, really great, really touching scene. Brendan Fraser's voice acting alone does so much for this show. Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, you know, we should always give credit. I never remember their fucking names, but we should always give credit for the guy that is Larry, but, you know, doesn't talk, right? And then the one who's Robot Man, but doesn't talk, too. Uh, yeah, one of them is Matthew Zook. I don't remember which one is which. 
Yeah. And I, oh, what's the other one's name? Damn it. I'm going to have they, to look it up so we can get proper credit. <laughs> yeah. They just do a fantastic job of miming everything. And, uh, you know, the, the voice acting, uh, what's it, Bom- Matt Bomber? Bomber? Matt Bomber. Yeah. Matt Bomber, he's fantastic. His voice is fantastic on the show. And then Brendan Fraser's voice is fantastic, too. Um, I mean, and, you know, Brendan Fraser's sort of having this, like, comeback right now with the whale and everything like that. But he's just been so good on this show for years now. Agreed, yeah. Um, and, and then it's just so... The big event is Matthew Zook, C-U-K, and then... Uh... Oh, where's Cliff? No, I don't see it. Yeah, and then like Riley Shanahan. Sorry. Well, excellent job. Yeah. So then, like, was the guy that did the fucking voice of Elmo? Was that? Uh, it was was he the voice of Cliff? Uh, I don't. Think, I don't think so. I, I think it's just a generic kind of voice that is having to sound like a mix of Elmo and Tunnel Buck to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Cliff's hallucinating a little bit, uh, and his his gloves, glove oven mitt is now talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> So good. I mean, and, and there's there's a whole bunch of like jokes and stuff that we haven't even talked about. Like um, Kipling, you know, as he gets younger and younger, it's real funny. He has a big mane of hair that's really great. Um, I, I liked when he was like a, a true teenager, not just um, you know Mark Shepard. Like young, like a squire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was just so funny, you know. And, and then like Cliff, when he's like a like a, I don't know, like a preteen or like an early teen, he's got like his voice cracking and stuff. I just I fucking love that too. <laughs> So good. I also love this the visual gag of, of him just like mainlining drugs and directly into his brain. Yeah, yeah, ditto, ditto, ditto. Um, and then one other thing too is that the show always kind of feels like a little bit behind. Like it almost feels like it's from the nineties. It, it doesn't mean that like the quality is not good. It's just that's the era it feels like it's from. It feels like it's from that Grant Morrison time. Yeah. Um. So when Jane calls one of the kids Euphoria, that kind of actually like took me out of it. I was like, oh. I didn't that, remember that one, to be honest, but uh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, it was it was when the kids were like behind the gas station smoking or whatever. They were uh, okay, so when they first met them, okay, yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, so you know, we didn't cover Cyborg and his friend yet. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Cyborg also gets turned into a teen, uh, and he decides to go swimming. I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, he's kind of uh, just going back to that that he abandoned his friends when he, after his accident. And as he gets younger, um, he, he decides to go back to Detroit on his own. And he goes to visit his friend because uh, he didn't know where else to go. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, like, I, I guess, um, I mean, he could have stayed with the group. He could have went to see his dad, I guess. But he went to go see his friend anyway. So I don't really know why that happened. I, I don't really have any insight into why that choice was made. Yeah. I Honestly, I'm sort of... Torn. I have a whole little fucking dialogue or you know monologue I could do about the cyborg on the show. But to, to address what you were saying, um, there is this character whose name I forget from the Gerard Way run, and I thought they were introducing him when they showed um, a space case, right? Like Cass- Casey. Yeah. Um, he was the kid with the, the spray can. I was like, oh, that's going to be that kid from the Gerard Way run, this African American kid. And in the comics, him and his family travel into, like, the D&D realm. And I didn't know if, like, maybe they were trying to do that with Cyborg's friend. Because they, they reference D&D a lot in the se- in the sixth episode. Yeah. And so I was wondering if, like, they were kind of maybe, like, mixing those a little bit together. That, that is an excellent point. Um, 
I don't really remember what that kid and his family did in the comic. Yeah. Like what, what their importance in the story was, but um, maybe I, I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so, so with the cyborg thing, if, if you'll forgive me, I just, I had like, like three points I wanted to make about cyborg. Um, like with cyborg in the comics, he's a fun character and his sort of his body horror aspect to his, his character is interesting but then that's kind of where it ends, right? He doesn't have this big supporting cast besides his dad, and he doesn't have this rogues gallery or anything like that. This show, however, adds so many layers to the cyborg character that's just not there in the comic. And I think it's really interesting because they do try to play up the idea of like, he's African-American, he's different from these other characters that are mostly white characters, right? Um, and, and they try to play it up with his friends, like the way that they talk and stuff like that. But then there is like this sort of there's there's like the stereotypical african-american thing that you see where like the way that they talk and stuff it's like oh did a white guy write this dialogue which they probably did but then he has this whole nerdy kind of aspect which goes against that stereotypical portrayal right where he's like playing dnd and they're all into like building robots and stuff I, i i personally have a lot of experience with african-american students and and you know i know some that probably would be interested in robots and dnd but that's not the way they're normally portrayed on uh shows yeah. and movies right um and so i thought that was very interesting that's a very interesting aspect so he has he had this pre-existing interest in robots and in the sixth episode you see that they actually had a robot that looked very much like fucking megatron by the way right yeah. right um like that they designed a robot they fantasized about a robot and then he kind of becomes a robot as a superhero you know i think that's very interesting yes uh, i agree there and i was almost wondering if, if somehow when they were once they first realized they can create something they draw i thought they were gonna have cyborg return to the with the armor on yeah totally i i totally thought that too um but they're adding these layers to him and one of my favorite favorite things from i believe it was the past season maybe it was the season before but um in a previous season everyone kind of has like their imagined like good version of themselves like their the self they wanted to aspire to and his was like this african-american general right and, and so it's interesting that like he had that connection with this character this sort of military character and that kind of made him the way he was as a superhero then he has this this whole robot fantasy and that's part of his superhero persona yeah yeah, so I just I just love these little details that those don't exist in the comic at all. I yeah. uh, I think I would go out on a limb and say I mean I know there's not many uh, very many live action versions of Cyborg, but uh, or even animated too. Like I think this might be my favorite version of Cyborg. Fuck yeah, <laughs> shit yeah. I mean the um the Snyder cut version of Justice League portrays Cyborg in a different way than the Whedon cut version of Justice League. Agreed. And I like the Snyder Cut version better than the Whedon Cut. I don't even remember anymore. I think I'm almost blocking those movies out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think most of us are too. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think that like, there, there, there has oh, they've kind of always done this like reference to like, oh, he's going to talk like this because he's African American. But they, they just they like they weave it in with really interesting character details that are just completely missing from the cyborg comic book character. So 
if there is supposed to be an ongoing Doom Patrol comic coming out soon, and if Cyborg was to actually join that team and be more like this Cyborg, I actually would be very happy with that. Yeah, I would too. Although I, I think he's, um, I, I mean, he's more in the in the big leagues with the Justice League more these days than anything else. So I'm not sure they would uh, they, they would have him be on multiple teams or or even this kind of more removed from the DC universe sort of team that the Doom Patrol t- tends to be. Yeah. I need to do some research to see who's writing that title, uh, you know, but it's yeah. I don't think it's Gerard Way. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about Way of the Worlds, right? Is, no, is no. There's a, there's a brand new ongoing Doom Patrol comic coming out soon. Interesting. I'm going to pick that up. But I, I got to read Way of the Worlds, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, the original Doom Patrol comic was like a Vertigo thing, and or maybe it was DC, but I think it was Vertigo at one point. And then the Gerard Way version, it was the um, right, right, right. So I think that this young, next, animal. young animal, young animal, this this next one is going to be completely straight up just mainstream DC. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I think it'll be less weird than even the Doom Patrol show. You know. Uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll probably <laughs> pick it up now that I'm I'm going back to the comic store every week again and. God spending way too much money. <laughs> oh, I, I know, man. I, I, I understand that. So um, do you have anything else you want to say about any of the arcs for the characters? Um, no, I think I'm good here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bummed that we're in a mid-season break here. Uh, I don't think I've ever had that. They've ever done that with the show before, but hopefully you'll be back sooner than later. Yeah, agreed. I, yeah, I, I really dig this show, and I think I maybe even dig the season more than other seasons too uh, every season has had some really high points though that's for sure yeah um yeah so then next week brian and i'll be back we're going to talk about the final three episodes of willow i know you guys are dying to see that one and uh, <laughs> and uh hey, yeah, i like the show man I'm, I'm like one of like five people that actually defend the show yeah 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 i think i'm the with the website do you ever go to io9 do you know what i'm talking about yeah i know io9 yeah uh, whatever like gizmodo i think is the what it is now yeah um, I think they're actually big fans of that on there. So yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely flaws to it, and I, like, you know, I really didn't like episode five at all. But I don't know. There's there's redeeming things there that I'm enjoying that I'm looking that I look forward to watching it every Wednesday. And I, I'm based on the the general fan reaction of it. Like, I know it's not going to get renewed, and I know it's going to be some crazy cliffhanger or something like that, and uh, it's never going to get answered. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. But uh, if you guys have suggestions on what else Brian and I can cover, like we said, we're going to try to do The Last of Us coming up. I, I had some interest in doing maybe some of those DC animated movies too. Well, sure. we'll see. All but uh, move HBO Max. <laughs> wait for real? Uh, yeah, our, we were talking about Super Sons, and that just got removed from HBO Max. The fuck! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, it's craziness. Um. So yeah, but we're here. This is actually our first video together for 2023, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're here for all 2023. Brian and I get together every week and we'll be giving you more reviews of comic book adaptations. We'll see y'all next week. Cool, man.